Hey everybody, welcome back to SP Nation. As always, I'm your host, Scott Piper, because you can't have SP Nation without the SP. Um, This week I have a very special guest. Um, His name is Brian Burke. He is one half of the podcast duo who runs Be Hero Fights. And a little... Little side fact, he is also a professional wrestler who works for the independent circuits. Um, this interview was actually recorded a few weeks back, and I've said on the audio since then, uh, just because I've had other stuff that I really need to get pushed through. Um, I actually launched a whole new podcast, as, which is uh, Full Motion. So make sure you guys are checking Full Motion out everywhere you get podcasts, um, Spotify, Anchor, you know, all the exact same places that you can find SP Nation. And um, I unfortunately just started going through the audio editing process for this episode when I found out that there's certain parts in the interview where the audio is just completely gone I don't know if it was an editing mistake or if it was actually a recording problem. Um, But the first part of the interview, which talks a lot about Brian's wrestling experience, there's going to be two little areas, I believe, where the subject just randomly changes. And it's not supposed to be like that unfortunately it was just the audio just disappeared for some reason so um but that's it's it's a really short thing so but in case you get to the point where you're like wait a minute wasn't he just talking it i know it's there um but i still really wanted to release this interview um brian and tom who run be hero fights are good friends of mine and i want to make sure that they're you know, work that they did gets put out. So um, I'm going to go ahead and run the interview. I hope you guys enjoy it because I had a blast talking with Brian about his experience with wrestling and his experience with podcasting because as a wrestling fan, you know, I always find it really interesting to sit down and talk to someone in that field. And then with podcasting, it's always fun to sit down and talk to someone who's doing the same thing as you um, and kind of comparing notes on a side effect about certain things. So without further ado, here is Brian Burke. How are you doing today, man? Oh, I'm doing all right, Scotty. How are you been? I'm doing really good, man. What have you been up to over the last few days? I know you recorded some content over the couple days ago, so how'd that turn out? Well, me and Tom, yeah, we've done... Uh lots of things recently uh we were actually just on a, another podcast as well uh with uh showboys uh mike and nick over there uh it was good times uh we did that last night and of course i'm here with you tonight and we just recorded a couple episodes of our own podcast uh for be hero fights uh over the weekend and this coming weekend we got more awesome so busy 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 man that sounds awesome dude you work for uh devotion championship wrestling that's correct correct how did you get started in the wrestling business? Well, I've always been a fan of wrestling since I was a little kid. Watched my first ever wrestling was Shawn Michaels and Mario Gennetti, the you know the Rockers back in the day. Oh um, yeah, in a tag match uh, at a buddy's house, 
and I fell in love with it. And I've watched it, like I said, my whole life. During high school, I would skip school and me and my buddies would go restaurant on a trampoline and such like that. And then uh, when I was 20, I was living with a bunch of people. And one of the girls I was living with brought a guy home who happened to be a wrestler uh, for our local promotion here. And uh, so I freaked out. I'm like, oh, my gosh, dude, you're a wrestler? I want to learn how to do that. Da, da, da. So he gave me the deets on it and uh, grabbed by him and a couple of my other buddies who I've always been, you know, wrestling fans. And we all went out to go and get our feet wet in the ring. And, uh, yeah, that was 16 years ago. So Wow. So you've been doing it for 16 years. That's crazy. Yeah. Because I saw online that Devotion only popped up in 2018. Who'd you uh, wrestle for before then? Um, well, I wrestled for multiple companies. Um, here on the west side, I've uh, wrestled for uh, companies in Colorado, uh, Rocky Mountain Pro, uh, Colorado Springs Wrestling. I've wrestled in Arizona uh, for several out there, uh, California, Washington. I've wrestled in Texas once. Texas has been the farthest I've been so far um, wrestling around. So I've wrestled all over the place. But uh, here where I'm at in Utah, uh, there's a number of promotions. Uh, that first promotion I mentioned I went to to go train was known as uh, UCW Zero or Ultimate Championship Wrestling Zero. And uh, I started my training there for about a month. Went to go take my 21st birthday week uh, in Vegas. And uh, when I came back, the promoter was upset that I missed training for a week and booted me and thought I was done there. But then I uh, met up with another guy uh, who ran another promotion called American Championship Wrestling. And uh, he finished my training and where I wrestled until they closed uh, in 2012. I think it was it might have been 10, 2010. And then uh, another promotion popped up called uh, War Wrestling Alliance of the Rockies. I wrestled mainly for them uh, right up until Devotion came around. And I, again, I wrestled other places around, but I've been with Devotion primarily as my home base, as it were, uh, since day one. I was on that very first show, and I've been on, on pretty much every show. So it sounds like you have a lot of experience. You first started wrestling. What was something that you just absolutely was not prepared for? Was you know just how physical it can be, or like all the traveling that you do? Like to you, was like one of the biggest challenges starting out in the business. Well, traveling wasn't that bad. I expected it because I knew that like the WWE and such, they do three hundred plus days a year, things like that. Yeah. Um, Honestly, it was how not in shape I was for it. Um, I've never been like a big guy. Um, when I started, I was 140 pounds and like five foot eight. Getting into the ring and moving around, any wrestler will ever tell you, there is no way to mimic in the gym what it's like to be in the ring. Uh, you can't get into ring shape, as it's called, outside of a ring. You have to do it in there. Because uh, the cardio is different, the movements are different, and everything else, just because of how a ring's designed, how you work in that, and it's just something that I was not prepared for. Nobody ever. Did. How more? How much more real wrestling is than you really know? Like you know, people are always giving garbage on wrestling about it being fake and yada yada. That stuff that you do in the ring is done in a way to keep people safe so they don't kill each other. But everything outside of that is a hundred percent real. You throw a punch in someone's face, you really hit them in the face. You just learn how to take a punch. You kick somebody, you literally get kicked. You just learn how to get kicked. 
Right. And that's something that's always bugged me because, you know, I've been a wrestling fan for quite a while. And, you know, you always get that certain group of people that's like, oh, that's fake. They're faking it. He's not really getting hit with a chair. It's like, no, he's getting hit with a chair. You know, it's it's not to the point where it's like his ribs are being broken in half or anything like that. I mean, you guys really have to go through the motions and choreograph and everything. But, you know, what you guys do in the rain, it's not fake in the lead. If you went out on the street and pile drive to someone on the sidewalk, I mean, you're going to kill that person. And that's just not something you can do in the rain every night. It's not like the lions and Christians back in the Coliseum. Yeah, it totally. Um, and for anyone that thinks that wrestling's fake, I have three broken ribs, about a, a, probably a dozen bruised ones, a dislocated shoulder, dislocated fingers. I've had to have knee surgery um, as well as uh, ACL tears. Uh, I come home with bruises almost every show. Uh, and that's still, I go to training multiple times a week. I work out and I've been doing this for a long time and I still come back hurt. Is there ever a point when, you know, you've hurt something and just don't feel it or does everything hurt still like, or does it after a while, you know, so many matches, you know, you kind of become numb to that feeling of, Oh man, my knees kind of bummed up or whatever. Um, there are certain things that you get numb to. Um, when you get knocked down, so it's called a bump. You do eventually get in a sense numb to taking a bump and that pain. But that first, about. Oh, a month and a half to two months of training when you're learning how to do all of that you come home every night hurting I tell the guys when we do training because i train um at devotion as well one of their trainers that you will eventually in a sense get a callus uh across your back and shoulders getting used to bumping on your back because you will be doing it a lot that being said i come home regularly with bumps and bruises from shows uh in fact, my wife always laughs because she'll know who I worked against, depending on how many bruises and bumps I have. Uh, because certain people I work with um, a little, what's called stiffer or harder with them than others. Some guys were really light, like I'll give them a pop and it's about what I would do when I go to hit my kid. Uh, and in other ones, it's like full on throwing bunches. It's all relative to who you're working the way they work, the way you work. But yeah, it's nothing you ever get used to per se. Like you know, you always feel it, things like that. You mentioned that you train with devotional. Like when someone new comes in and they're like, oh, I want to be a wrestler. I've, I've watched it for all these years. And they go through the program of training. How do you go about training them? And what do you really look for to say, this person is going to be good for our company or this person needs to uh, go back to actually just watching wrestling. Then they won't stay around. Usually I can tell within the first about two weeks if someone's going to stick around. Uh, we had a guy recently uh, who was super adamant about being a wrestler and had been messaging me for months about wanting to come to trainings when he moved here to Utah and things like that. And I'm like, all right, man, well, we'll see you at training. And then uh, his first week there, he was, you know, wanted to get in the ring. And then he started to much how more real wrestling is. It's that moment when people 
find that out and like come to that realization is when they will stay or not. And it's the heart of someone that will let them be like, all right, I love wrestling and I love watching wrestling, but I don't love being hurt. Right. Compared to someone's like, I, my love for wrestling and wanting to do this is well past that. I will work on anything. Because you can teach wrestling to anybody. I mean, I'm doing it now to my little girls and my oldest is eight or seven, excuse me. So would you, knowing, you know, all the uh, pain and everything that you've gone through, like physically, do you, would you want your daughters going through that program too? Or would you want them doing something? I want my girls to do whatever they want to do. Right. Both of my girls are in dance right now and they love it. And uh, my oldest has done soccer and she wants to do martial arts like I did. I took martial arts as a kid and things like that. And uh, she wants to do all of that. And as long as she's wanting to do it and puts the heart in it, I will let her do whatever she wants. I might have to go sell a kidney to do some of it, but I will. Right. I, I will <laughs> she'll be able to do whatever she wants. Um, now, I saw online that Devotion actually works with Ohio Valley Wrestling. Which, if uh, a lot of the viewers don't know, they actually worked with WWE for quite a few years and produced uh, a good amount. Uh, so, one of the owners there is um, Al Snow, uh, former WWE superstar, um, and he and the other owner, Chad Miller, they have uh, put together our like our, how we do training. So, since uh, since we are training in the WWE format, because that's how they do theirs. We also have guys that go out there and work for, uh, do shows for them. Um, they have some of their guys come and do shows for us. Uh, their former uh, champion, Tony Gunn, uh, who's out there right now, um, has had matches with us here and several of their other guys. Uh, Al himself has come to the shows and things like that. And uh, OVW, as you mentioned, was the had ties to WWE. They still do. Um, just not as strong ties as they were before. But if somebody like Al Snow vouches for you, then there's a good chance that they'll at least give you a shot at the performance center. Well, it comes to the concept of two things. So in the indies, uh, which I've done majority of my career, you can go out and have a match that may last 8, 10, 12 minutes, uh, depending on where you're at in the card. And uh, you'll go out there and then the way you talk and interact with the fans and have your match, you're working with all of the fans in the audience, which is exactly what you should always do. But on the WBE level, you're doing more. You're working primarily the camera because, you know, the old saying, the thousands in attendance, the millions across the world, you're aiming at the millions. You're catching the thousands because they're there live, but your aim is towards those millions. And uh, the other aspect to that is staying on time. So you work a match and do your match and everything else that you do. And there's a TV time set for it where you might have like a five minute match or a 10 minute match. And you have to stay within that where previously I would be doing an indie match where maybe like eight to 10 minutes. If I'm a little short, say like it goes six minutes, like in a hurry thing. If I go over a little bit, say I go, you know, 11 minutes. It's not really going to hurt anything. It might take away from somebody else's match. You do that on the WBE or on the WB style when you're doing TV, then there is a whole lot more that goes into it. It recently just happened uh, on our episode two. We just aired yesterday on uh, Fight TV for the Motion Championship Wrestling. That was the first episode on there was myself and uh, my former tag partner, Leo Wolf. We were going and 
we were told originally we had three and a half minutes and then they changed it to five minutes because uh was changing the card last minute and we went over five minutes uh leo has been on the indies for a long time but this is the first time he's been working with us at devotion since we started working the wb style so he wasn't there yet because of such we went over on time and they ended up cutting about yes it did uh when i we first started this and i was not there yet with understanding of the the uh working tv but uh i had originally gone to school I, so i have a my real life job outside of being a podcaster and a wrestler i also am a software engineer but that's not what i went to school for originally i was going in for being a uh, movie editor and changed it because I realized that there's a gazillion movie editors and not enough job. But I know how all of that production stuff works. And talking with our editor uh, after asking him about why, I he, he helped me realize what he has to work with. So working on TV, outside of commercials, depending on the spot you're in, because we only do a half hour episode, we have about 24 minutes, um, 24, 26, depending on the episode. And as such, you have to make sure to stay in your times because if you don't, you're taking away from someone's promo or somebody else's match or a, a commercial that was, you know, how we make our ad revenue money or whatever. So realizing that me being upset because he cut 30 seconds out of a match that I had that, that was really good is being selfish for that. Um, and it, it was something I had to learn. From that and it happens i i try to stay better on my time now because of such and it hasn't been really a problem outside of this most recent one and even that like they he uh produced it so well uh his name's trent and he's does such a great job of producing these uh, shows and things that yeah i mean he made me look like a million bucks because the parts that he kept in out of our match was like the best parts of the match so <laughs> right what is the one match um in your career that if you were bringing someone in new to devotion and was uh kind of doing a little self-promotion for yourself at devotion i'd have to say or i mean we we can we can make it like throughout your entire career if well, that, I, I don't know if that makes it easier or not there's been a number of matches i've had through my career um that are awesome that i've had uh you know, I, I haven't had the chance to work some big names, um, people who are great in the indies, like the Ballard Brothers, or um, I got to work Reno Scum as a tag team way back when. And Reno Scum, uh, I think they're back in Impact now. They were at Impact for a while. Had the chance to be uh, in matches with uh, Keith Lee. I mean, they're Battle Royal matches. But I've been in Battle Royal matches with Keith Lee, with Karrion Cross. All those matches are great and everything else, but... I think, at least off the top of my head, probably we had a, uh, just before we started doing TV, you can find it on our YouTube page um, at Devotion uh, Wrestling on YouTube. You can, uh, There's a match, I want to say it was 2018's end of term pay-per-view or um, show that we did, that uh, there's a four-way ladder match that we had where it was um, myself, uh, the Mockingbird, Echo, Tom Chad, and uh, Leo Wolf. In a four-way ladder match for the uh, core championship, it's our mid-care title. It was a really great match. I very much enjoyed that match and everything we were able to do with that. Uh, it was a great story match, less about the high spots in the ladder match. I mean, there are a couple. Um, there's one where we have a 16-foot ladder on the outside of the ring, and uh, Echo's climbing to the top of it to 
dive on the three of us on the outside and Leo bumps into it and poor Echo goes flying into the ring <laughs> and bumps from that 16 foot ladder flat bump right into the middle of the ring. Majority of it's story. It has some great stories, some great fun spots. Yeah, I think that's probably the one I, I suggest that people look at is that one. There's just, you know, Devotion, we have such a great group of people there now. Of course, Manny Lemons, who's the owner and promoter of there, uh, he's fantastic. Uh, Echo, uh, Tom Chad, myself. Uh, Andrew Stillwell. There's just so many great workers there. Uh, if you guys ever have a chance to, to take a look, like I said, uh, find us on YouTube. We have a Twitch page that you can find us on at uh, Devotion Wrestling Utah. You can also go on to pretty much anything. Uh, our app through Fight is available everywhere that you can download an app. So we're on if you ever used to fight to watch anything like they do like UFC and everything else, we're on there in the same league with UFC, with Impact, with uh, MLW, with uh, PWG. Everyone that has like big TV stuff, like the high-end TV guys, we're all there with them in the same app. And like you can literally pull up your uh, Fire TV, uh, either the stick or if your TV is capable of it and say Devotion Championship Wrestling and we'll pull up off under the Fire app or the, the Fight app. So watch us, take a look, see what you see, see what you'll love and I promise you there'll be something there. That's awesome, man. Um, when I was actually doing a little bit of research for Devotional on the website, it said um, you actually had one of the most polarizing and controversial writers in probably the last 30 years uh, working for you, which was Vince Russo. What yep. does he still work with you guys or has he gone his own way now? He is still our booker. He has been our booker through all of devotion TV. So um, everything that you find right now through devotion championship wrestling as a uh, TV, uh, which we just, just started our season two of that uh, just yesterday. So all of that has been, the brainchild of Vince Russo. And uh, he's an interesting cat. Uh, he He's nothing like you would think he would be. Like, you know, you listen to the stories about how he ruined WCW and uh, all of that stuff. But what people forget to remind you is he was the head writer for WWE during the biggest parts of the Attitude Era, during the beginnings of Austin and The Rock, Triple H. He was the head writer. Oh, absolutely. Uh, him and Ed were the head writers there. And even the stuff they did at WCW, yes, he did like the Judy Bagwell in a pole match, but he also had done some of the best stuff that was there too, all throughout of that. Uh, he just, he, he's not like that guy you would expect him to be. And the problem is, is what people see as Vince Russo right. is the character of Vince Russo you saw in WCW. Right. And yeah, he's not that dude. He talks like that. He, he literally says bro and brother every other word. But uh, he is a very cool dude. And he is not a wrestler, but he is an amazing writer. It's just um, whenever you found out like you were going to be working with him, was there any like certain expectations or, you know, preconceived ideas of what you were getting into or? Were you just really like, oh, I remember him from, you know, TNA and WCW, or were you just 
you know what? I'm going to give it a completely fresh start and see how it goes and everything. It's a mix of all of those. Um, I enjoyed what he had done, uh, the good stuff from WCW, and then, of course, WWE when he was there. So I tried to keep that in mind. Um, of course, I had the terror that we're going to have the writer that did the Judy Bagwell on the pole match in, as our head writer. But I, I tried to stick with it as, you know, a fresh thought. And then uh, when we brought him in originally, he uh, did a seminar with us where he wanted to talk about character and about how he does his writing and stuff like that. And listening to him and then talking with him, uh, I got the chance to go do lunch with him that same day um, where it was just me, him, and a couple other guys. And we just sat and talked and BS about wrestling and everything else. And how, though he's not a wrestler, he has loved wrestling his whole life. And listening to the way he thinks about both wrestling currently, some of the great things about wrestling before and stuff like that, I realized that me and him have a lot more, like we're on the same wavelength a lot more when it comes to stuff like that than I ever would have thought beforehand. Awesome. All right, we're going to take a quick sponsor break, and then when we come back, me and Brian are going to get into podcasting, and then we're going to finish the episode up with a little bit of uh, some rapid-fire questions and have a little fun before we end the show. All right, we are back with Brian from Be Hero Fights, who is also a pretty badass wrestler. Wrestling at the same time, like it seems like your schedule's gotta be like nonstop going. Yeah, uh, my roommates always make fun of me because they never know when I'm going to be home. Um, but yeah, uh, we started it uh, back in June of uh, last year, and it's we we try to work it out where we record. Uh, a couple episodes at a time, and then, that way we could take like a week or two off. But uh, me and Tom work together. Uh, I am, uh, like I mentioned before, I'm a software developer outside of all of this. We, he's also a software developer. He was new on the scene. In fact, uh, the first software job he's ever had is working well with me. Uh, I'm considered what's a, I'm known as what's a senior developer, so I have a lot more experience. The guys come to me to ask questions and so on. And uh, I'm the senior developer on our team. And uh, honestly, I didn't think I was going to get along with him. Uh, he just struck me as a very prudy dude and was not going to get down with the jokes and stuff I make all the time. And I, I, I totally became wrong. But I, my first instinct was that because of the way his attitude was and the way we were talking. Working with him and BSing with him at work because as a software developer, you literally have the opportunity of talking all day while you're coding. And uh, we would joke around and BS. And, uh, Tom, who actually had the idea for Be Hero Fights five years ago, uh, well, for Be Hero five years ago, was the one that brought it up first. He'd been trying to get it off the ground for a long time. We were doing, me and my partner at the time, Doug, we were doing a podcast, uh, interviewing other wrestlers and talking about wrestling and stuff like that, dealing with devotion. And uh, I told him that, you know, I'm already doing one. And he's like, you're doing one already? Well, you have the knowledge. I have the idea of what I want to do. And I'm like, all right. So we started and be hero fights. Awesome. So how long have you actually been podcasting by yourself without um, Tom and be hero? Uh, I started Devotions one in December of 2018. Uh, oh. Was when I started doing podcasting. So I've been podcasting for a year and change. Okay. Uh, by myself, uh, and then Tom shortly after uh, joined up with me in June 
was the first time he did an episode. Uh, we did an episode for that. But again, I like talking. Um, years before podcasting was a thing, me and my buddies used to do radio shows. Like we would do the old school, like recording radio show things and put it up on a website. You know, this was years ago. This was like probably 10 years ago, well before podcasting was a thing. Yeah, I uh, SP Nation actually got started back in August of last year. And I'll tell you, like, because I'm actually getting ready to launch my sec, well, technically my third podcast, uh, Full Motion, a new podcast yourself. How would you do it differently? And what has really changed? since you know you first started podcasting in 2018 um well when i started with devotions podcast we didn't know anything about hosting we didn't know anything about marketing or anything like that uh so i jumped on and we started hosting through soundcloud and uh like i think that's where sound all, all the podcast episodes are still at. i was on soundcloud having to learn how to do all that on the fly and everything else it was interesting uh so when we went to launch be hero we all went with SoundCloud originally. We're actually moving over to Podbean um, shortly, but we learned a lot more. Uh, one, how they interact with each other, uh, which wasn't hard because it was kind of what we were doing at work anyways. And then uh, everything was recorded through Zoom, and then I just edited it after. And then with Be Hero, uh, Tom had had an interface already for doing recordings because he had uh, been a, a musician beforehand. And then uh, about... I don't know, I think 10 episodes in, we decided this was something we really wanted to do. So we started buying equipment and uh, bought a you know really great uh, Zoom, not the software, but the Zoom uh, interface, uh, which has been great. Uh, does fantastic work for it. has a bunch of channels and then able to do like uh, phone calls. That's how we talked to you the first time, Scott, was through this and everything else and uh now we just bought new cameras to go along with our youtube stuff and i i think if i were to start over again though with the podcast i would like any business um try to get a certain amount of free income or uh pre-overhead to go into it you know just like you would if you were like buying a restaurant or something just so you can buy all the equipment and stuff that you would need to make it a high quality right exactly and like i said back when i started SP Nation, like it was so, it was so kind of overwhelming at first because I didn't really know what I wanted the podcast to be. I didn't know really how to distribute it and everything like that. And I'm not, I don't know if it's the same for you. I know it's kind of the same for Tom, but you know, one thing that I definitely found being a challenge is, you know, dealing with like self promotion and, self-distribution and everything like that because i know be hero fights and sp nation are in several of the facebook podcast groups and you know it, it's so hard to go out there and say hey can you listen to this and then you get five other links hey can you listen back and then suddenly it turns into a, like a follow for follow for thread and you're just like you know this isn't what i really want to do because I want to be able to draw in listeners. I don't want to do that follow for follow stuff because essentially what it turns into is this really big, you know, it's like kind of like a car sales salesman room where you've got one car salesman trying to sell to another car salesman. And I'm not trying to put us as car salesmen, but you know, for the analogy, 
I got you. I got you. Right. Um, yeah, like I know Tom handles a lot of that stuff for us for self-promoting, um, dealing with the communities and everything else. And uh, the only thing I would say to that and anybody listening that wants to learn about podcasting is there is a ton of software or not software, excuse me, um, companies you can go through for either hosting or other things. Uh, you mentioned the drone with Anchor. And uh, I know Anchor does, depending on like what levels you want to go with, a certain amount of marketing for you. Um, and then there are other ones like uh, Buzzsprout uh, and things that will do even more marketing. For myself and Tom, we decided not to go down that path. We looked at it originally to think about doing it that way, but we decided to not do it and have our own marketing done only because uh, the revenue stream. So like if you were to go with like Buzzsprout or even with Anchor as you pay more into it, um, they take a certain amount of that revenue, right? Right. Where we're doing all of our own self-promoting, being hosted, uh, soon to be on Podbean, um, and we will handle we handle all of our own marketing and stuff, which sucks because we have to do all of that stuff. But once the revenue comes in, things like that, we get to keep all of that revenue. So if there is um, companies that want to do to use us as influencers to have uh, ad spots on our episodes or anything like that, we get the full amount instead of having to split it with a bigger corporation. Doing this, uh, doing collabs with yourself or like with Mike and Showboys, um, or we recently did one with uh, the Game of Wines podcast. Doing that gives us the ability both uh, in wrestling terms, as I would go, giving the like getting a rub from somebody else, meaning that you uh, your influence that you have with your fans can you know, get them to come look at us and vice versa. And uh, though it is a, a follow for follow, like gen- general thing in the community that you can do that, if yeah. you can build a collab to work with people, you have the ability of sharing fans. A lot of people have similar fan bases or similar tastes as others. Like let's say that you were doing a true crime podcast and you do a collab with another true crime podcast. Instead of trying to go head to head with them, you guys work together and you guys can share those because, you know, not every true crime podcast is going to do like the Black Dahlia murder at the same time right? or do it in the same way. Actually, it's kind of funny that you brought the Black Dahlia because before I would before I kind of put it to in a coma, I was uh, I was running a kind of like a horror conspiracy podcast. And the next episode I was originally going to do was the Black Dahlia. So it kind of cracked me up that you were like Black Dahlia. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a pretty famous one, and my wife is all about that murder porn. So, oh she, yeah, I've listened to it a bunch of times. Um, but myself and Tom were huge nerds, right? Yeah. Where it comes to all varieties of nerdism. Uh, so, Be Hero has such a wide base. Uh, the other aspect I would give to fans that they want to do in the podcasting thing is don't just stick with podcasting. Uh, myself and Tom, we've are our listens and everything else that we're doing are starting to build up because we're expanding outside of just podcasting uh, on our website at be You can find a variety of reviews. We have movie reviews and television reviews of things that are still in our niche. So it's something nerdy. Like we have ones of like wonder woman 84 or um, the stand on CBS or one division of course. Uh, and they're all uh, spoiler free reviews that we do. And we try to do those once a week uh, as a blog review. Uh, our Facebook and our Instagrams, our Twitters, all those are always going. Um, 
we just recently passed 600 fans on our Instagram, which is great. And our, our Twitter is just blowing up with that. Uh, Tom is like a master at making memes. So he makes memes constantly for our Twitter pages. And of course we have all the stuff on Facebook and everything else like that. So if you want to do this as a thing, don't stick as a podcaster, make it as a media company. Like we are with Be Hero Media and expand yourself into all varieties of genres. Just know who you are. Right, exactly. And uh, that's something that I've actually come to learn myself over the last couple months because like I said, with me launching uh, Full Motion, I was like, I don't want this to just be a podcast. I want it to be something that reaches more people in different places because, you know, I, I'm not one of those, I'm not a podcaster who is constantly lo- looking at numbers or analytics or anything like that. But, you know, I, I do it, I'd say once a week, whenever I get ready to record a new episode, but it's like, whenever I look at the analytics, it will show me, you know, what, you know, what platform my podcast is really going out on. And even though I put the Spotify links on my Facebook account and the Twitter account more than anything, it's not the highest, um, it's not the highest performing platform for my podcast. And that's something where, you know, now I'm going to have to go and be like, show love to all those other platforms to, you know, be like, Hey, I know you guys are listening to it on whether it's pocket cast radio Republic or whatever. So it's like, you need to understand where you're reaching and, you know, show love to who you're reaching to and on those platforms that you are reaching out to. So it's definitely a very interesting form of media to be in and you know a lot you know especially with covid last year so many podcasts popped up that you know everyone everyone just got into it all of a sudden and it kind of exploded so at times it feels like you get buried by a new podcast that's coming out with the exact same you know genre that you're in so it's very interesting to compete with newer podcasts while still building your own podcast at the same time well and that's i think come back around what i was talking about with the wrestling earlier is a lot of that stuff happens where you'll have these booms in podcasting and the people that last are the ones who have the heart for it we are at 32 episodes i think right now of our podcast uh, for be hero fights and the thought is people are going to look at their analytics and then be like, oh, we're four episodes in and we're not, you know, having two, three, four hundred likes or two, three, four hundred listens. I guess we're not doing well enough. Let's bounce. It's the same thing as you have for wrestling. You go out and have, you know, matches for six months and then you're like, well, I'm not selling any merchandise. No one's calling me up. Like a WWE hasn't called me up yet. It's like, bro, they're not going to. Right. They don't call looking for you. You got to put the effort in. Uh, Cody Rhodes, um, who I have a very, very loose tie with right now because of, uh, you know, somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody has a great saying about this. So he tells all his guys is put in the work, do the work and you will see where you go. And that's how I've been living with wrestling how i've been living with the podcasting i put in the work and i will see 
something coming from it, whether it's wrestling, podcasting, both. Um, even my regular job for coding, I put in the work to see, and I will eventually see it, you know, bloom into something. Right. Exactly. Because I mean, you got to think about it too, you know, from a wrestling standpoint, um, Vinny Vegas, the Oz, you know, terrorizing, like you got to think there are so many failures at a certain point where the, you, you're just kind of kicking your, your own ass because you're like, this sucks. And then you move forward, you work on yourself and then you go from, you know, Hollywood blondes to stone cold Steve Austin, or you go from the Oz to Kevin Nash or terrorizing to triple H and you have to put in that work. And so many people, you know, like I said, they started podcasting last year as a form of they were stuck at home because of quarantine. And now, and I've kind of talked to um, Tom about the same thing. It's like now that everyone's, you know, for the most part back at work or, you know, trying to get out of the house a lot more, it's like suddenly that podcast that you were working on, you know, every single day, suddenly you can't do it every day. And life things happen you you're back at work working you know 40 hours a week or whatever and then suddenly it's like well yeah i did have a podcast but i don't have time for it anymore and even me like when i started getting back to working a job that had the worst freaking hours imaginable i'd come home and i was like i gotta research this or i've got to record this and it would not happen so i think also that's kind of been kind of the downfall for there being multiple podcasts that just kind of drop off after a certain period of time. Yeah, and that, that's what I'm saying. It, you have to have that heart to get past it, to keep it going. Make it to 25 episodes and see where you're at. See how you're feeling about it. Um, your analytics, again, they might not be there. But, you know, when you get to 200 episodes, they might be there. You get to 300 episodes, you might be there. Um, another great example is uh, a great podcast I listen to. It's called Lore. Um, uh, the the podcast uh, the podcaster Andy uh, or not Andy um, starts with an A. Uh, he did Lore for a long time. I listened to him for a long time. Uh, so much so that he started building his own media empire from it uh, called Grim Mild. And there's he built so much of it, and it was such an, a great podcast episode uh podcaster with what he did he did uh his podcast for lore is scary stories kind of things but like told in an interesting way and it's done so well that he has two seasons on amazon prime like amazon bought the rights to his podcast and turned it into a tv show two seasons of a tv show yeah keep going like yeah. His stuff was slow. Like you listen to his first episode and then you listen to his two hundred episodes and they're nothing the same. Uh because he was still finding his feet. But you know, you make it to twenty five, you're gonna start finding where you're at. Me and Tom, we didn't have any clue what we were doing in the first one. Uh our first episode, you can listen back to it, it's uh Call of Duty versus um Fortnite. And uh it was so mundane like there was we weren't barely joking we were practically reading off scripts it was it was bad yeah but now you listen to our most recent episode we just did that you were a part of with the uh yeah, the independence versus uh professional wrestling so the big guys 
of like the WWE versus you know the devotion like myself as a wrestler who you do want to work for i mean god that was all jokes like we were joking around we were having fun but we were also you know having a great debate yeah it wasn't a fight but it wasn't like something we were reading off a script it was it was just us bsing like there was nothing more than you know hanging out with your buddies bsing and having some facts to go along with it yeah exactly and you know i i'm still totally undecided on that category too because like I, I think that's gonna be like one of the things where there's so many positives and negatives to each one that you just can't come up with a solid decision on it it's true it's very true and you know it, that's what's the great thing about doing what we do as podcasters is as you're researching something or you're talking about something it gives you the ability of seeing a new light of it I'll give me an example we did a Christmas episode uh, a while back. Um, I think it was the one shortly after we worked with you on our uh, weird toys episode. I think it was the next one. We did a episode of weird Christmas traditions. Just doing the research of that and finding out like all the crazy Christmas traditions that are out there. And not only the ones that are out there, but the ones that us as Americans have that the rest of the world thinks nuts. So... Did, you know, you learned so much about doing this uh, job uh, that you would never thought you would learn. Yeah, no, exactly. And it, it's definitely the same for me. Like uh, for my main debut episode for Full Motion, it's about the Titanic. And there is so much stuff like you just don't know about it because you watch the 97 movie with Leonardo DiCaprio and it's more about jack and rose and is about the actual titanic it doesn't become a titanic movie until uh they hit the freaking iceberg pretty much so it, it was just so interesting to find out like different things about it like for instance there was an actual fire burning in the coal hold for like 10 days before that ship actually left the port on the way to New York and it wasn't even put out until pretty much the ship sank that night. So it's like, that's something you just don't find out unless you put the time and effort into research and make your product, you know, what it should be, which is a high quality product instead of just BSing on something and then thinking, you know, something and putting it out there. And learning about everything that you can about something like that is, it's fun because it's one of those things that you would you would not go out of your way to do normally, you know. And uh, like we've done some great episodes of that same thing. Uh, going back and watching movies I haven't watched in a long time. Like we did an episode where we were doing A Bug's Life first, uh, Three Amigos, which I bag on that episode. My personal opinion, I think that was my least favorite episode. But I had the opportunity to go back and watch Three Amigos, so right. Uh, there's some great stuff you can do with that. And then a uh, quick side tangent. I don't know if you've seen this in your research yet for Titanic, but uh, two years before the Titanic sailed, there was a book called uh, the Titania, I think it was called. And uh, yep. it's basically the Titanic two years before the Titanic. Actually, like I think, actually, I think it happened like a good 10 years beforehand. Cause it was like pretty much the exact same thing. Like, it was, I think it was called the Titan or something like that. And it was literally pretty much word for word what happened. There was this great ship that was supposedly unsinkable that 
hit an iceberg, it sunk, and it killed almost the exact same amount of people that the Titanic. And I was just like, that's freaking nuts. It's not going to be on like the debut episode or anything, but there's like, there's a theory going out there that it was actually a huge insurance fraud to collect money for another one of the White Star Lines' ships that was losing money or whatever. So, and when you think that, and then you do a lot of the research about stuff that happened on board, you're like, there's no way you're this incompetent as a fucking uh, ocean liner captain and crew. Like, there's no fucking way. Well, I'm excited to hear that episode, man. And I hope the rest of you guys are too. Random questions time. All right, let's, let's do it. Okay, man. What is your gun to the head all-time favorite match? Wrestling, any promotion. What is it? Uh, WrestleMania 25, Shawn Michaels, between under, or Shawn Michaels and Undertaker. Or <laughs> WrestleMania 24, uh, Shawn Michaels uh, and Ric Flair. Either one of those two. You're uh, a huge Shawn Michaels fan. Yeah, same here. Like... And it, it always pisses me off anytime someone's like, Shawn Michaels can't wrestle. Dude, go watch WrestleMania. I think it's 22 or 23 where he fights Kurt Angle. He does some great chain wrestling in there. Oh, yeah. Um, well, you kind of killed the favorite wrestler thing. <laughs> <laughs> Shawn Michaels, uh, which is great because me and my wife always go at it. My wife's favorite wrestler of all time with Bret Hart. So we go back and forth all the time about it. That that's such a complicated story. <laughs> that yes, whole, it is. That whole freaking mess. What is one match that you feel would have been better if the heel face rolls would were completely reversed? That's a hard one because you're you're kind of thinking of one that was either a somewhat decent match or not a very good match, but could have been better if the face heels were reversed. Ah, that one, like I. Can't think of one off the top of my head that I would go off of that one. Uh, I mean, there's several uh, like specific guys I would have liked to seen as a heel, but I can't speak of a specific match where they go up against somebody that's a heel that I'd like to see go as a face at the time. Um, yeah, that one's a hard one. I think um, one I would like to see would probably be uh, 90, no, 1998 Halloween Havoc between Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero and let those two switch face heel, have Rey as the heel and Eddie as the face. Not because I think it would be, per se, a better match, but it would definitely be a unique, interesting match. That's a good... That, that is definitely a good match. I, I'm kind of surprised you didn't say anything about Shawn Michaels or Triple H. <laughs> well, those two do so well in the roles that they play. Like, when... Uh, they had their return match at was it Backlash uh, when uh, Sean had his first match back against Triple H. Yeah. If they would have switched the roles on that, uh, I don't know if it would have played as well. And I don't know if it's something I would have wanted to see just because there was so much great uh, build up and love for Sean coming back as the face, coming back to wrestling after four years. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so if if you had to pick the best era for Shawn Michaels, which one would you have to go with? Because like er- everything from his rocker days in the AWA, I think, um, to everything he did up until his back injury in WrestleMania 13, and then his comeback, and you know even his later years, he that feud he had with Chris Jericho, where Jericho like punched his wife. 
man, that was such a good feud that you don't really hear about that much. So I, for me, it's so hard to pick like a really solid era of what is the best of Shawn Michaels. But I mean, everyone's going to have to say Attitude Era Shawn Michaels because of DX and everything like that. But I mean, no, I think I would probably have his last run return. So from when he comes back against Triple H at that, I think it was Backlash, to when he ends his career um, with uh, Taker at WrestleMania 26. That run he does there. I think that is his best work um, because he knows who he is at that point. So well, during the Attitude Era and everything else, and I love Shawn Michaels. Like, he's my all-time favorite wrestler. But he was a, very much a diva during that time. Oh, yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like, the stuff he did with DX was so good. But you, I mean, you can't get the, some of the best stuff that you get in his later years without what he had to go through and what he did in the early years. But the redo that they did with the DX and the teasing what they do with the DX stuff in his later years, the stuff he does with uh, Taker because he'd had, you know, the, the Hell and Cell matches with Taker, uh, the stuff he did with Ric Flair because uh, he imitated Ric Flair in his early years and had so much love for Ric Flair. Ric Flair was his favorite wrestler. The stuff with Jericho's you brought up, where Jericho's feud was he wanted to be the next Shawn Michaels because Shawn Michaels was the one he looked up to and everything else. There was so much better story, so much better work for Shawn in his later years that I, I honestly think surpasses his earlier years. And that includes, uh, you know, WrestleMania 13 when he goes against, uh, when he goes against Austin. Yeah. With uh, Mike Tyson as a referee yeah, or a special uh, enforcer. He goes, it, that was, you know, better than that when he went against and uh, had the Ironman match with Brett, the fantastic match, but his later years, they were better all around. So I think it was his later years. was his best time. Right. And, um, you know, I'd even kind of forgot about it. Like, I, I really enjoyed, I kind of enjoyed his work in, um, I think it was like 2008 where, like, he was uh, JBL's kind of whipping boy for a while because, you know, he couldn't allegedly pay for his house or anything. And JBL was feuding with John Cena at the time. And that match where he's kind of like that outside interference and, you know, he plays it so well after he super kicks JBL and then he super kicks Cena that you're like, you know, is he good? Is he bad? Is he whatever? And then he, uh, I believe he actually goes and covers Cena up with JBL at, at the end. And I was like, that was so well done on his part that it just worked so good that I don't know if it would have worked as good if it was earlier Shawn Michaels at that point too. Well, I don't think he would have been as humble either to do that kind of storyline. He would have, you know, whipped out his proverbial, he would have been like, no, I ain't doing this because I'm Shawn Michaels, which happened a lot Yeah. Um, in the early years uh, because he was the guy. I mean, at the time, uh, him and Brett were the two smallest guys to ever hold the title like the big title um, in the company. And uh, you don't get that unless you have 
that confidence. Like you have that love from Vince to be able to do something like that because Vince has got such a hard on for big guys. You don't get Sean being a uh, subservient to somebody like JBL in that era. You get it when he's become more humble. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's like even, you know, that disaster SummerSlam match between him and Hulk Hogan, that was such a bad mixture of two people who have egos that are just way huge. And, you know, both of them at the, you know, both of them have said that that shouldn't have gone down like that, but that's still kind of, if that had been early Shawn Michaels, I bet that would have been kind of the same situation at that time period. For sure. I mean, I go back and watch that match every once in a while just to get the laugh because you can see that the Hogan's doing like his I gotta get my shit in kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And his five Sean's moves. Just like, yeah, exactly. Uh, Sean's just like, ah, I'm here. I'm gonna entertain myself. I'm gonna pop myself. And he does. Like, I, he takes that big boot and does that like massive sell around until he finally falls down. <laughs> right. And then he gets the leg drop. Like, that makes me laugh every time. <laughs> right. Um, if you if you were given, you had all the major promotions come to you right now with contracts. Uh, which one would you actually end up signing with if you just full on had a choice of anywhere? AEW. AEW. Yep. What's the uh, uh, What's the reason behind that? Again, I'm five ten, uh, two hundred pounds. Uh, and I'm never going to be 6'4", 270 pounds, which is what you'd have to really do to do it, to be far enough along in the WWE. Uh, I'll give me a prime example. Uh, Ricochet right now. That would be probably one of the greatest wrestlers off of the indies that those picked up. He, he, was he, a, he was originally Prince Puma for... Um, Lucha Underground. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't even know that until I actually Googled Prince Puma, because I was like, you know, Lucha Underground has so much amazing AAA talent down there that I, I don't know why they failed, really. Well, it's not that they failed directly. Um, the guy who ran the promotion and everything else uh, had a falling out with um, Robert Rodriguez and El Rey. Okay. So they lost their TV deal. I'm friends, like, well, I want to say really good friends, I'm pretty good friends. Um, with uh, Marty the Moth. He's out from here, from Salt Lake. Then um, he's worked with us at Devotion, nothing on TV, like trained with us and things like that. And, uh, you know, to give them a little bit of love, uh, they actually started their own in the promotion as well uh, up in northern Utah, uh, known as Dive Wrestling. Uh, they're a really good starting indie promotion, I have a couple of shows in there. I mean, I'm not going to say one's better than the other. I will definitely tell you to watch Devotion. But if you have a chance, go on to uh, Dive Wrestling, and you'll see them on there as well. Now, how do you think – because to me it always seemed like the Mari Gennetti and Shawn Michaels feud, like it was there for a while, but it didn't – to me, unless I missed it, it didn't seem like it had like a really solid conclusion to it. How would you have had – that feud end because personally I would love to see them have either like a first blood match or like a last man standing match, which I don't think was even around at the time, but 
I, I just feel like you could have had such a super powered feud with those two that, you know, anytime like I was watching some Royal Rumbles, you know, around that time period and, you know, Marty Jannetty would go in and he'd start, you know, immediately going after Sean and then he'd get, you know, kicked out of the Royal Rumble or whatever. And it's just like, that's all I really remember of that feud besides, you know, him getting him leaping through the uh, barber shop window. Yeah. Um, they only had, I think, I think three matches and the in your house right out, right going into that was their, their rubber match, the blow off match that they had. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it wasn't a very long feud, but largely it was because they were trying to build Sean up in a single competitor. Uh, he won the IC title not long after that feud started. And they kind of tried to play back a little bit, but if you pay attention, you can see that Marty Jannetty was um, kind of jobbed out of the main view by that point. And then, uh, like after the story run that Sean had going with the IC title, uh, he, Marty was jobbed out and then eventually was out of the company um, within about a year after that happened. Uh, and there's a number of reasons. I'm not going to speculate on exactly what I've heard different things. Right. I know he was out of there. Um, he's an interesting dude. I had a chance to meet him a few years back. Uh, and, he, yeah, he was an interesting guy to meet. He has a lot of interesting, interesting stories. I would like to have seen them do one, uh, one more thing. I love the stuff that they did when Sean and Kurt were doing their ma their little feud and uh, they brought Marty in for, like, a six-month little thing where yeah. they had him do the feud but then kept him around for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it was really nice to see him in the ring doing stuff like that, working with Sean, and then you know doing the storyline with Kurt and stuff like that. Because he, when he came back, and what was that like, two thousand three, two thousand four ish on SmackDown? He he looked like he he looked and wrestled really good, actually. And you know, I'm not sure what the personal issues are with him. You know, and I'd, I'm not going to speculate on it, but you know if it had been, you know, fixed at that time period. I think he could have stuck around for a little longer and made a, you know, a decent, you know, United States title run because, I mean, you still had some, you still had Tanaka come back for SmackDown for a good year or two. And I, was, I wasn't really impressed with Tanaka when he was in the WWF beforehand, but, you know, you still could have had, if Marty Jannetty had really stuck to just wrestling, and cut off a lot of the other stuff, I think it would have been a really good mid-carder for quite a while. I, I, he, as great as he was, and I, I love the Rockers. Well, they were like the ones that got me into watching wrestling. Um, as great as he is, like, he never really had it as a single competitor. Like, he never was really able to be, like, eye-grabbing. that makes sense? Yeah. Like, attention-grabbing by himself. Uh, some of the best stuff he ever did was with Sean or against Sean because Sean is uh, eye-catching. He was like, he would grab your attention. And some of the best workers, that's what they do. Like, you watch stuff now with, like, uh, Keith Lee, um, who is amazing big guy and able to do so many awesome things. And he is that. He's attention-grabbing. You can see that with certain people. If they can grab your attention and make you want to watch them, they're the ones that are going to go far, and Marty didn't really have that. Uh, 
a lot of the stuff you saw when he was there for like that little six month run when he was doing stuff with Kurt and doing single stuff on his own later on was more about nostalgia. Uh, even with Tanaka when he came back, um, was more about nostalgia. Yeah. Um, because you know you had guys that are our age um, who are like, oh, I remember watching Tanaka, you know, in the, the mid nineties, or I remember watching Mario Gennetti in like the late or early early nineties, late eighties. You had all these bits of nostalgia, but that's only going to carry you so far, you know. No, you're absolutely right. But it, it just to me it always seemed like you would pass on certain people, and then. All of a sudden, oh my God, it's Duke the Dumpster or the freaking gobbledygooker. So it's like, you, you have to wonder at some point, it's like, why in the hell did you pull that option out? Especially something like the gobbledygooker. Uh, you know who's under the mask of the gooker or under the costume. Who who was it? Because like, I, I know who, I can see the face, but I can't remember the name of it. It is a Guerrero, Hector Guerrero, uh, oh, okay. the oldest brother of uh, Eddie Guerrero. Uh, who was super famous in AAA yeah. and CMLL in Mexico. And they wasted an opportunity to have a fantastic Guerrero early on in the career. Yeah, exactly. And then um, wasn't there, wasn't it the story of it was at one point supposed to be Triple H or something too? Uh, I don't know about that one. Um, I don't know if they would have Triple H uh, going in had a lot more pool than most people. Yeah. Um, one, he was a bodybuilder, so he's already six four and two hundred plus pounds. Plus, he had the rub from his trainer, Killer Kowalski, but he got in really quick with the click, so they had a lot of the backing um, that he needed. But uh, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine Triple H having to go through that. I think that one's probably more of a rumor than anything else, but. Well, I mean, after the click did the curtain call, he kind of did get shitted on for like a good year because he was really the only one that was left to take the blunt of that, unfortunately. I do have a very special question, and this is going to be the last one for the show. A good man named Tom asks, who is funnier, him or you, and why is it Tom? Well, it's not Tom. Uh, I am definitely the funny one. Largely because I can come up with stuff on the fly, and Tom usually has to write everything down before he does it. <laughs> if you like, if you listen to our, for our early episodes, I mentioned the first episode we were reading pretty much off the script. I hate that. I hate reading off the script. Uh, I did improv. Like so, in learning to become a wrestler, I did a bunch of different things. I took like in school, I took drama. Um, later on, I took improv classes and things like that to learn how to be a better wrestler. I can do improv really well, and. As of such, I hate reading things off a script if uh, I can help it. So like the second, third, fourth episode, I'm just getting some uh, pointers and then going. And Tom is still reading from a script. Even his jokes, his jokes he wrote down beforehand were from a script. And he thought he was hilarious. (laughs) I love Tom. He's not funny. (laughs) If you saw him walking into the devotional, you know, training area, how do you think he would actually do as a wrestler? Oh, no. Uh, we go to the gym uh, fairly regularly together. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's <laughs> a, a good athlete in his own right. Like, if we were running, like, a straight, like, cardio run on a treadmill, he could run circles around me. Um, because I don't 
trained in that way. That boy, he I've seen him train for a 5K um, and run uh, that treadmill for that 5K and make it a pretty good time. Like he can do, uh, I'm gonna, I want to say like he was able to bust out a mile in like nine minutes. Last I remember, like at one point in time, I don't know if he still can. Uh, so I think like in certain aspects, he'd do all right. But I mentioned before, you can't mimic wrestling right. in the gym. Yeah. And if you do do it, you're probably going to get arrested too. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Just start wrenching a headlock on some 90-year-old person doing her laps. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, you know, I want to say thank you so much for coming on SP Nation today. You know, SP Nation's where it's at. So, um, but yeah, totally find us uh, at BeHeroMedia.com and uh, find all of my wrestling stuff on YouTube, uh, Devotion Wrestling, or on the Fight app under Devotion Championship Wrestling. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Brian. I learned a lot more about what he does and how he goes about wrestling and podcasting. Um, he's a great guy to talk to great guy to work with. Um, I would love to have him on the show again to uh, talk wrestling some more. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of SP nation and I will see you guys next week. Have a good one.